money. You can't really get through life without it. Some people use it to define success. Some people use it as the key to reach their goals. And some people use it to attain freedom. Whatever your motivation, you need to know how to earn it, how to use it and how to grow it. For years, women have been telling their beauty stories, their success stories, their health stories. Now, we want to talk to women about their money stories. Welcome, Welcome to Tilly, Tilly Money. Hannah Hooper is the Institutional Sales Executive of Global Derivative and Equity at IG. Raised between rural New South Wales and Sydney, Hannah helps us chart her life in the direction of her esteemed success within the finance industry. Because if you do have investments that are correlated very strongly, in other words, they will move in the same direction mm -hmm. depending on external factors and market factors, then there is a lot more risk that you, that you are taking. Today's episode is brought to you by our principal partner, Mortgage Choice. 2020 has been a challenging year, so Mortgage Choice and its national network of mortgage brokers are on a mission to help Australians restart their 2020. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or investment property or want to refinance an existing home loan to get a better deal, let a mortgage choice broker answer all your questions, show you what's available and do the legwork to help you restart 2020. Visit mortgagechoice.com.au or call 137762 to speak to your local broker. So we're talking to Hannah today and Hannah is a woman who is making inroads in the financial world and we're looking forward to talking to her about her story. So welcome to Tilly Money, Hannah. Thank you so much for having me, Maureen and Claire. So this is the opportunity to tell us about you and it's a free forum um, as we say in all our podcasts we're not here to put you on the spot Hannah we're not here to test you but we do want to know your story because in the area that you're working you know you've had um, you know a degree of success which is admirable and I congratulate you and I know that women out there listening to stories about other women that have made inroads into the financial world they want to listen because there's sometimes not an easy road to tread, you know, or to pave out or carve out. So tell us about you. You've got a whiteboard here ahead of you. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you. So if I just rewind back um, to, I suppose, when I was young and a bit about my family life, mm -hmm. um, I have two fabulous parents who, mm -hmm. um, you know, came from, you know, different backgrounds. Um, Mum was born in England mm -hmm. um, and Dad was born in rural New South Wales. Okay. Um, and and how on earth did they meet? Yeah. Well, exactly. So yeah. mum actually came over to Australia to um, escape the cold of, of you know, As the you UK. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So she settled here, I think, in her mid twenties. Okay. Um, and they, I think, they actually met at a um, car racing event, a Formula One, possibly, or a. Ah. Um, it was a. I think it was a bit of a setup of a mutual friend. Uh -huh. So yeah. Um, so they met obviously from, you know, different walks of life. And and what um, part of rural New South Wales was your dad from? Dad was raised in Blaney. Okay. Yes. Mm, okay. And um, mm. actually there was, so I, I know that you have interviewed Narelle Hooper. So we that's have, actually yes. my second cousin. Oh, really? Yes. My goodness. So yes. That's the connection What did they Hooper. say? How many degrees of separation? Exactly. Yeah, so so um, I listened to that podcast. And so, her, so my grandfather 
um, his brother was Narelle's father. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes. So there yeah, you because go. Narelle equally told a story about her parents and yes. how fundamentally important they were in her life. And mm-hmm. they were dairy farmers, I believe. That's yeah. right. Yes. And they still do have the dairy farm, I yeah. believe. Yeah. And actually, I asked Narelle, we'll never get off the track here. We will come back yeah. to your life. But, but you've got to have all these colour and these details because I did ask Narelle one of the last things, hey, Narelle, are you ever going to go back to the farm? But she, she didn't say yes straight away. She didn't answer no, yes. she didn't answer. <laughs> she's good. She's a good, really well-seasoned journalist. She, she knows how to avoid questions. Is. Yes, And yeah. she's, she's very humble and down-to-earth and she's really remained grounded, um, you know, amidst her success. So mm. she's, um, she's fantastic. Um, and, and sort of similar to her, um, her story with her parents um, being raised on the farm, mm-hmm. um, my dad grew up on a property mm-hmm. um, in Blaney and then he, you know, went on to own a couple of properties. Um, his background is in property development. Right. So he developed commercial um, shopping centres oh, okay. in different areas, well, um, mm. primarily rural New South Wales. Yes, yes. Um, mm. And mum, actually, she's had a... a very varied um, career. Mm. She was a full-time working mum as well, mm, mm. which was fantastic for me to see yes, growing up. Yeah, um, that's what I've known, and yes. that's what I want to be able to, you know, do when yeah. I raise a family. Mm. Um, she she was a pharmacist. Then mm-hmm. she then she realised that she had a bit of a an interest in in managing um, people as well. So she ended up running the pharmacy and managing it, Boots mm. Pharmacy over in okay, in yes, the yeah, UK, no one boots of the Boots well. Chemists. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she ended up working for Merck Sharp and Dome, okay. so a big pharmaceutical company, and then ended up heading up a national sales team. Mm. Then she moved into HR, and she actually ended her career as an executive coach, okay. so coaching many you know successful CEOs and executive level leaders. Mm. Um, and so she's been a really great mentor for me. So I think I'm really lucky in that respect. I bounce a lot of things off her yes. um, and she's been a really strong, you know, I, I think of her as incredibly independent, strong and um, a really good sounding board for me. Well, we talk about, that's wonderful, we talk um, about the importance of role models yeah. and in fact with uh, Tilly Money and Claire, you'd know this well, even though I know Claire's not going to answer very much on this this question but she is eavesdropping. Um, but uh, I've got to be natural here, Claire, and tell the whole story. And uh, But we talk about building um, a skyscraper of role models and you're, you've, you're saying exactly that, Hannah, that you've had two incredible role models in your life and that's, this is what we want to provide for other women. So tell us more about you. So along yes. one day, these two people come, yes. one from the UK and one from country, rural New South Wales, Blaney, and they fall in love and then yep. Hannah, Hannah Appears. Yeah. That's right. Mm. So, um, yeah, so I was raised in um, in Sydney. However, uh, dad and mum bought a property when I was about probably about three years old. Okay. So I was actually raised at the farm and in Sydney. Right. So I had a bit of a flavour of both the country yeah. and the city life, which was fantastic. No, it was actually in um, Pocolbin in the Hunter Valley. Nice, so, yeah, nice area. Um, mm. Yeah, it, it was really good. So, mm. you know, f- I, basically I'd go to school um, Monday to Friday in Sydney yes. and then we'd drive up to the farm every weekend. Okay. We did that for about 15, 16 years Fantastic, in my life. yeah. Um, and that was really good to be able to see a completely different side of And what th- were life. they um, hobby vineyard yeah, owners? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was a hobby farm, yeah, but we had yeah. a vineyard, we had an olive grove. Um, we also bought cattle, so we would, yeah. you know, buy and sell cattle. Um, but you know, one thing that I'm so grateful for today is how mum and dad raised me. Mm. And I think having the, the property was a really important part of that because, you know, I would be getting up at the crack of dawn with dad Mm. and actually getting out on the tractor. I I sort of Mm. learned to drive when I was about eight years old, Mm. as you, as you do when you're on a farm. Mm. Um, and dad had always said to me, you know, you need to do, you need to do something for something. In Mm. other words, 
you know, he'll give me a bit of pocket money, but I've got to go out and plow a paddock or mm. fix a fence or do yeah, something for it. Yeah, you've got to earn it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And so that was what I was used to, mm. um, which was... Good which discipline. Was amazing, mm. yeah. Mm. So um, that was sort of, um, you know, the first 15 years of my life going back and forth between the farm and Sydney. Mm. Um, and, you know, going growing up in high school even, um, you know, a lot of my friends were given pocket money and I was too. Mm. But then that stopped and, and mum and dad said, we want you to go get a job. So mm. I lied about my age. and I like your parents. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and and I You went, lied about your age. Okay. Yeah, I lied about yeah, my age yeah. and I went and applied for a job at a um, – it was actually at a beauty salon. And I lasted about 12 months there and I realised mm. – there was a couple of things that I wasn't sure of when I had <laughs> they'd suggested my lips were uneven and I uh, may need to um oh okay you know, enhancement yeah on, like yes. this is like a 14 15 year old girl oh no and yeah. I thought okay I'm gonna get out of that so mm. I worked at a hairdresser so mm, okay. um and then I, I worked there until I was in year 12 mm. um and that was sort of you know again a really good fundamental um lesson for me was you know working from a young age mm. and um, doing something for something so my pocket money was cut off mm. but I was still able to go out and enjoy my life and mm. spend money go to the movies all of that yes. stuff but it was from the pocket money that I that earned. you did yeah. so you understood the value of a dollar mm. that's right mm. yeah mm. um and then you know I left I left school and I went to study uh, business or commerce mm. um and as part of that in the first year you you learn a variety of subjects mm. and finance really sparked my interest mm. um and I suppose if I just rewind, something that um, really has has sparked my interest in, in investing is, again, going back to my dad, um, he loved to trade. So mm. we were on the farm, but he also did manage a share portfolio mm. and he loved it. And so mm. when I was younger, he would actually sit me down, um, you know, at the computer mm. and he'd say, okay, well, open up the Comsec account and I want you to talk to me about what stocks you think yes. we should buy. Mm. And I'd have to go through the process. And at the time, yeah. I thought, oh, God, Dad, like, you know, yeah. this, is, this is not what I want to be doing. Mm. Um, but it was a really good exercise because you were exposed to it. Correct. Mm. And, mm. Um, you know, and I'd actually go and place the order on mm. the account. And Do you and remember the first share that you influenced would, was, him to buy? It was probably BHP. Okay. Um, or CBA. Okay, okay. But, you know, blue chip stocks. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah. And I had a, I've had a, um, a Dolomites account since I, you know. Of course. When you start off yeah, with a Dolomites yeah. account. So for me, CBA was a, yeah, an it's easy obvious. pick as someone yes. who's young. Yeah. Um, it's great marketing. And I still hold it today. Well, great marketing <laughs> buys CBA to Correct. get in early. Yeah, That's very right. smart. Yeah, yeah so, mm. um, so I'd sort of had an interest in shares because I'd started to accumulate some shares myself working mm-hmm. with dad on that. Mm. Um, and then I finished uni and, and joined Comsec. Okay. So oh, really? yeah. yeah. So gee. after all of that, you yeah, know, yeah. interest yeah. in trading um, with, with dad. And what position did you hold? Did you come in as a, a, a trader? Yeah, uh, that's yes. right. So I worked mm. on the equities desk okay. um, and then I moved into a sales role, Okay. Um, which was a lot of fun because then mm. I was actually speaking to, to new investors yes. of all different walks of life. Mm. So high net worths mm. to people who were just looking to buy their first stock mm. and wanted to know the ropes. Mm. Um, and then I moved into a role where I was working with um, the actual CBA network. So private bankers, okay. branch staff, um, financial planners, and I would basically be speaking to them about, um, you know, how to set up a share trading account, mm. the basics. Mm. If you've got a client who's interested in buying shares, this is how they would go about it. Um, and that was that was also a really interesting role. And I loved that mm. because the sort of 
the coaching and training element of that was mm. really enjoyable too. Mm. Um, and yeah, for a lot of for a lot of people, you know, they they talk every day and provide advice. Mm. They talk about money every day to their clients. Mm. Um, but it's yeah, it's it's really interesting sometimes, you know, that they're also learning and of I'm course. learning and mm. I learn, you know, from them just as much as, as well. They you're learn, learn, you're yeah. learning every day. You That's know, right. Year after year, Hannah. Let's rewind a little bit. So you know you're. You're sitting there with your dad, you know, and you're, you're being influencing him about buying um, CBA and BHP and others. Yeah. When did you open your Hana Hooper Comsec account and you bought something yourself? Well, I was 18 because okay. you have to be 18 to yes. set up an account legally. Good, Good so bit of information. Before that, yeah. it was a minor trust account, which okay. is legal to do. Yes. Um, so uh, when I was 18, well, I transferred my shares across from the minor trust yes. into my account. Mm-hmm. And then that's a really good question. I'm trying to think back about um, to, to what I what would have been my first purchase sort of on my own. I'm trying to think now. Tell us later. We'll, we'll get you back yeah. again. That, that'll be the first question I asked. Did you check which, yeah, which exactly. was the first share you bought? Yeah. But you started trading on your own. So you had all yeah, this right. knowledge you were learning from working at Comsec and yes. at the same time you were building up your own share portfolio. Oh, yeah, exactly. Okay, that's interesting. Now, in, And you're still trading today? I um, am, yes. yes. Although we do have trading restrictions. Of course. Um, where I work now. Of so, course. Mm. Um, that's normal. But what I do think that enables you to do is to sort of look with a, with a longer-term lens because... Mm. Um, you know, for example, we have a 30-day or a 60-day holding period for shares. Yes. So it really forces you to go, okay, I'm going to pick a company that I believe is going to be here in the next, you know, not only two months, but mm. it's going to be doing well in the next yeah, year. Long term. Or long term, long exactly. Term, yeah. um, and I think that's really important too. Well, let's wind back there. You said where I am now, they have trading restrictions. Yes. So tell us where you are now and what your role is. Yes. So um, I work for IG, IG okay. Australia. So mm-hmm. tell us IG more. is one of the leading mm-hmm. CFD providers. CF- and CFD being? CFD yep. is a, you know, not many people may have heard of CFDs. Uh-huh. It actually stands for contract for difference. Okay. Now, all that is, is basically, instead of buying the underlying share like a CBA, mm-hmm. you're actually um, buying a contract which speculates on what what um, way, what direction the share will go, okay. up or down. Okay. So you can buy a CFD mm. if you think the price is going to go up mm-hmm. and you're taking a position on that. Mm. Now, what it also allows you to have is what we call leverage, mm. which is, you know, you put in an initial amount of capital Mm. And the rest is actually provided for you by the provider yes. broker, such as mm. IG. Mm. And so you're able to actually make more than what you would be able to make with your initial capital outlay. Mm. Um, now, what you can also do is go short or sell mm-hmm. CFDs. Now, that means that you can speculate on the price going down. Mm-hmm. There are risks involved with that, mm. so it's really important to understand the product and how mm. to manage the risk. And I, I see CFDs as a risk management tool, really. Mm. If you're using them and you understand the risks involved and how to trade them, um, then they can be a really powerful um, and fantastic way to to trade and also to protect your portfolio and hedge. Because mm. as I mentioned, when I said you can sell them and you can go what we call short, mm. That actually can potentially protect a portfolio or a stock because you can counter the other position that you may have in your portfolio. Mm. So, um, you know, if the market does go down, you can actually make money off that. Mm. So you can, to, to sort of 
to cut a long story short, you can you can make the most of any opportunity, whether the market's going up or down. And that's what CFDs can allow you to do. So what we're really talking about, though, and you've had this knowledge, you know, um, of share trading yeah. from the time you were around about 15 or so, I yep. think you said. So with CFDs, and you rattle that off, you know, very quick, very quickly because you've got a great deal of knowledge there, but we are talking about something that's another step Correct. in trading. Correct. So you've done this at a very young age where you've been exposed to shares, but somebody um, may not take up the opportunity of even buying their first share until they're in their early 20s, even later. You know, Absolutely. So, so to get into this, this is a, another step along the investing journey. Would that be fair to say? I would, mm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's definitely a sophisticated product. Yes. Um, so by no means would I suggest anyone go and mm. actually place their first trade um, with leverage through a CFD. And, um, and to be honest, there's actually a lot of um, protection in place when you even set up an account. For example, um, you wouldn't be able to set up an account unless you had um, you've got you've got a very consistent and steady income stream, yes. and that you've actually had prior experience yes. trading it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So there are limited risk accounts mm-hmm. um, that that you can potentially set up again, mm-hmm. depending on your circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's certainly a sophisticated product, um, and you know, for the most part, for anyone who's looking to get get up and running and, and buy their first share, um, definitely, I think you know, putting in as much as you're willing to lose mm-hmm. is is what I would say is, you know, yeah. the best piece of advice. Well, and sometimes not... you learn in the losing. Well, that's you know, when you, you learn make, the most you lessons. Make, you make mistakes Absolutely. and you think, oh, but not do that again. But you don't want to lose too much. But... No, you don't. That's right. And it's interesting, the word um, sophisticated investor, and I love the word sophisticated. It's a beautiful word. Yeah. And we like to think that we've all got levels of sophistication, you know, that we might know about art or music or fashion. You know, I'm sophisticated. Yes. But when you come to sophisticated investing, that's a slightly different kind of definition Mm -hmm. would you agree Hannah Mm. I absolutely would Mm. yeah so I mean technically it is categorized by um you know usually it's a wealth test that you have to meet Mm -hmm. now I would argue that doesn't necessarily mean you're sophisticated or know what you're doing that is so true maybe we could briefly explain because the wealth (laughs) test has been laid down by the Australian Securities and Investment Commission which is the ruling body in um the shares area and they, from memory, put that definition down in about 1992 and they haven't changed it. There you go. Yep. Yeah. And what it says is, and help me here, but mm. $2.5 million worth of net assets. That's correct. Including your mm-hmm. family home. Mm-hmm. Now, most so, people, well, a lot of people, a lot of people would, people. would meet that. Meet um, that test. Based yeah. on their, exactly, based on their yes. house. So you're sophisticated if, what you own, mm-hmm. you know, your net assets, so after your debt, you've got two and a half mil. Now, when you're younger, you might not have that, yeah. you know, but certainly as you get on with Sydney or Melbourne or Brisbane house prices, you know, you've Absolutely. got, you can meet that test, you know, fairly easy. Yes. The other test is an income test, isn't That's it? That's right. So mm. it's 250,000 um, over the, consistently over the last two years. Which is significant. It That's, is. You know, That's a lot right. of people don't earn that mm. amount of money. But I like your point when you said even if they did, mm-hmm. they still possibly well, they aren't. Have never have placed a trade. That's right. You know, yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean you're experienced mm. um, in trading mm. or you know in investing in that you know um, underlying asset that you're looking to buy. Mm. So, um, I think one day maybe ASIC might need to reevaluate that definition. But yeah. we can we can lobby for that. Claire, <laughs> we can do some lobby work on that. But exactly. but tell us more. So. 
you're with IG Markets mm-hmm. and you still at the same time look after your own personal wealth and your yeah. you dabble in the share market. You mm-hmm. might, you know, you said you've got restrictions. Tell us a little bit about the restrictions and why do financial organisations put those kind of restrictions on their employees, the trading restrictions? Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's fairly standard, especially in broking, um, to have some, you know, trading personal dealing account restrictions, mm-hmm. we call it. So any personal trading, they may limit um, the number of times that you can trade in a calendar month mm-hmm. um, and or they also may limit um, how long you actually have to hold a stock for. Now, mm-hmm. could be for a variety of reasons, depending in your ro- depending on your role. Um, potentially, there may be some positions where you might be privy to information. Now, not necessarily even information that is material and before the market would know about it. Mm-hmm. Um, usually there are a lot of um, controls in place to like a Chinese war, we call yes, it, to actually course. stop that mm-hmm. from happening. Um, but, you know, as an analyst potentially or even mm-hmm. as, as an advisor, you know, you're, you're, you are surrounded by people who are, who are very experienced in the field and, and I think it's, it's definitely just a way to make sure that, you, you know, you're don't get any kind of insider knowledge yes it does protect that risk Mm. um so i suppose the yeah the other element of it is to and this this is particularly for example in my company you know um we, we wouldn't want anyone day trading, as in tr- trading multiple times oh, yes, throughout the day yes, yeah. when their job is not that. No, that's you know? exactly I mean, right. if you no. are a day trader for a living, that's one thing. Yes. But, you know, it's, but you've got again, another job. The market's yeah. open mm. for a limited mm. time throughout the day, yeah. around 10 to 4 p.m. Mm. And so if you're trading lots mm. throughout the day, then... How do you do your job? What are you doing? Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But you paid so to do it. that's mm. sort of the other side of things, yeah. Mm. Good. So in terms of your personal understanding of money we know you've told us and it's fabulous you know about your knowledge about shares let's go on to that very awkward subject of superannuation okay tell us what you know in that area well I think superannuation is incredibly important however it's not spoken about enough I don't think Um, it's something that is relevant to every Australian who's working Um, what I think is really fantastic is the fact that, it, you know, because we do have, you know, the government basically mm-hmm. putting away, you know, every time we're, we're earning money, it's 9.5% each year that's going away into our super. Forced, forced savings. For, exactly, yep. for mm-hmm. savings. Um, and that is really important because I don't think enough people would put that money away mm-hmm. um, if, you know, if it was up to them. It is, it's such an important thing to think about. Um, it's very challenging when you're fairly young, though, because you're not looking that far ahead. Exactly. And mm. and so, therefore, mm. it's not front of mind. What's front mm. of mind might be what, what have you got on on the weekend and mm. do I have enough to be able to go out mm. and have, you know, a beautiful lunch with my friends and when's my next paycheck? And mm. that's not how all millennials and young people think, mm. but a lot do. Mm. And so if you're thinking in such a sort of short, even medium-term horizon, then saving for your, you know, retirement is mm. is not even on the cards. Mm. Um, so that's fantastic that an element has been, um, you know, sort of forced, saved and put away for us. Mm. Um, in saying that, I think we should really take a proactive interest in checking how your super portfolio is going. So I, I love where, what you're saying, Hannah. This is yeah, music to my ears. Yeah, yeah, like where is your, which super fund are you with at the mm. moment, right? Mm. 
Um, How many super funds? Because sometimes you said you had jobs when you were young. You may have been bits and pieces of money in super funds and you're paying fees there. So tell us more. And Mm. I had multiple Mm. um, funds Mm. where my money was going into and and it was dad, because I was, you know, again, sort of fairly young, dad said, have you consolidated your super? Mm. I thought, what? Like, Mm. what do you mean? Mm. Doesn't it all just go into the one Mm. place? And Mm. and that really forced me to Mm. check where my money's going because at the end of the day, you know, that that is your money to spend. Mm. And... You know, I know this word is so commonly or this phrase is so commonly used, compound interest. Yes, Nurel used it as well, I think, yes. Yeah, yeah. but mm. it but it is so important mm. and, again, it just it seems a little bit, oh, you know, people keep throwing that term around, mm. but it's so powerful. Okay, so let's let's talk about compound yeah. interest. What it, tell, tell us your understanding of what compound interest is and they are magical words. They are yeah. magical words. Mm. Um, I mean, look, it's just it's, it's the – the time value of money. So it's, you know, basically you're, you're putting your money, you're investing your money in a super fund, for example, and as you're adding to the, to the, um, the investment each year or however frequently you want, um, that investment is growing larger because there's more capital going mm-hmm. into it and you earn interest mm-hmm. generally on investments. And so the more you have in the investment, the more interest you'll get back mm-hmm. each year. Mm-hmm. And as you get more interest each mm. year, that amount grows. You'd hope, mm. depending on which way the yep. market goes. Your investments whatever, are, yep. yes. Mm. Um, and so that compounds over time. It gets mm. larger and larger. Mm. And you only need to think of it as putting a little bit away even each month, mm. each paycheck. Mm. Um, and this is something I think is so easy to do. Mm. And I have done it, you know, since I was, you know, since I left uni and started working full time was every every time I get paid, Mm. I put a bit away mm. and a bit away and I never see the money because mm. it goes straight into another account. So you put it in another account. You don't put more into super. You just I, have... Well, I do. Because I you have can done in, that. Yes, yeah. Yes, yeah. so... Um, because and that's called salary sacrifice. Yes, that's yep. right. So you can salary sacrifice mm-hmm. and you can actually pay off um, up to $25,000 extra right. into your super each year. Yes. Um, and how, that, well, that, inclu- people, that includes whatever... Your employer is Correct. putting away Correct. for you, so you can top it up to you twenty-five thousand. Yep. Yes, and so maybe a lot of people don't know that that's mm. something you can do. Mm. And um, if you're on a low income, mm. as well, the government can actually will will add additional money yeah. um, to your super um, as well. There's a whole lot of things that are grey areas or unknown areas about super, but we're going to reveal these <laughs> on on uh, Tilly Money over time. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So super, you've got. Shares. What I'm building up here is the Hannah Hooper strategy for financial independence. So you've been lucky enough to have this exposure to shares Mm -hmm. and then you've acted on that um, mentoring and that guide to build a share portfolio for yourself. Mm -hmm. You're aware of your super and you check it. Do you check it? Thea um, McLaughlin wrote an excellent article on Tilly about how to check your super statement because Hannah... I'm almost hearing you agree with this. A lot of people don't. They don't even know what the super statement is. They may not even care if they don't have one, but it's their money. Mm. It is. That's it. That's it. It's not someone else's money. It's your money. And it's actually so easy to do. Mm. In fact, you can even, depending on which fund you're with, you could even go in and actually change the portfolio that mm. your money is being invested in from a balanced to a growth mm. to a conservative and, mm. and you can do so that you change very the easily. Risk, yeah. yeah, you can change mm. your risk profile. Mm. 
Um, and also, too, for a lot of people, and it's fabulous that there's more awareness about environmental and social and governance issues of different companies. And you may go along and have this philosophy. You walk down the street and you're very proud that you're very conscious of environmental change or you're socially aware or you want proper governance of companies. But inside your super fund, you may have companies that don't have those same kind of pro what's called ESG, environmental, social and governance policies. So you're at odds with what your own internal philosophy is and what's in your fund and you could alter that. Absolutely. Mm. Um, To your point, I mean, if you feel really strongly about, you know, environmental, social sort of change, um, then, you know, the power is in your hands. You Mm. can do your research and you can actually choose a fund which includes and, in fact, may only invest in, in, in those. those companies. Yes. Mm. And so that is very empowering in itself. Mm. You you actually are making a difference, yes. um, not only in your own personal financial well-being, but mm. also, you know, you're contributing towards a, a bigger picture and a greater change. That's right. And so. your super statement reveals a whole lot of things, as I'm going to plug Thea's article again, mm. as Thea's article, you know, so clearly points out because and maybe tell us a bit more about this as well Hannah because it shows what fees you're paying and then there's another thing as part of those fees is you could have insurance within your super fund that you may or may not want. That's right there's um, now I'm not going to pretend I'm a super expert but there are certainly a lot of fees that you do pay Mm. um, and some of those may not even be relevant to you Mm. and your stage of life Mm. or your lifestyle and so it is so important to just go through because that is that is eating away at your money that you're putting away for your longer term retirement and and happiness and that that's a really good point is to actually not only go through and see which fund am I investing in how are they performing? Mm. Am I aligned to the companies they're investing mm. in? But also going, where's where am I? Where, where are the fees? Where mm. are the hidden fees? Where mm. are the fees um, that you know apply to things that are relevant to me? Mm. But also there are good, there are going to be some fees that you may not need. Mm. So and, and as I said, you may or may not want that insurance policy correct. depending on what stage yeah. of life. But this is so beautifully done in a diagram that Thea had, and and the other, the other thing. Um, that she's got in, you know, striking colour is how much money did I make in my fund in this year, which a lot of people don't look at either, yeah. but it's your money. That's so, right, that's so. right. Okay, shares, mm-hmm. super. What What are your thoughts around property? Well, I think property is, for a lot of Australians, um, it's the goal. It's the sort of, you know, it's the dream, buying your first home, Property being a tangible asset, and that's why they call it real estate because mm-hmm. it is real. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. bricks and mortar. Bricks and mortar, mm-hmm. exactly. So, you know, I, th- I I would say fairly confidently that for most people, um, you know, buying your first home or investment property is is the goal in the you know medium to long term. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you you finish school, you go to university. What are you working towards? And it's okay if it's not working towards buying mm. your first home. Mm. Um, but for a lot of people, that's, you know, that's front of mind, mm-hmm. but often at the back of the priority list in terms of where they're actually, or what they're doing about it. Mm. And so, um, I mean, I think property is fantastic if you, you know, if you work towards buying your first home on a, or investment property. Um, it obviously is a longer term play because you need a lot more capital. Mm. And then, you know, you, you take out a, a loan from the bank but it, it generally is something that I think you can use um, the, you know, the instruments that we talked about, shares, um, you know, 
cash not so much because you don't get much back from mm. your cash in the mm. bank or a term mm. deposit. But I see, you know, building up a share portfolio as not just a long-term um, investment for myself, but also possibly getting me to that stage of buying a first home yes. faster. Yes. Because you can, again, potentially not always get a better return in the share market mm. than you would in other asset classes. Mm. Um, it's up there with property in terms mm. of returns. Yes. Um, well, there's always the, there's always the debate, you know, yeah. what's what's the better kind of return, property or shares? And That's there's right. so many views on that. Yeah. One of the interesting things that comes out um, a lot these days too, Hannah, and you've probably come across this, is sometimes for younger people it's pretty hard to save for the deposit and to actually buy a property. Um, But shares, um, good shares, quality shares held for the long term, um, they could be cheaper and therefore more accessible to buy. Absolutely. Um, So that's – I'm building up a portfolio here. So we've moved from – equity shares to um, uh, superannuation, which is um, an asset, and property. What other areas of investment interest you? There's this broad class called collectibles, this broad asset class. Anything like that? Fast cars, art? um, Do you have a penchant for anything like (laughs) collecting his fine watches, pieces of jewellery? No. Do you know what? I don't, Mm -hmm. but I will rewind to a bit of a funny story about yep. and Tell us. maybe what I'd argue is an alternative asset class. Yes. My first investment ever was actually not in the stock market. It was actually in a steer. A steer. A steer okay. on okay. the family okay. country, farm. Country girl, yep, yeah. And it is actually mm. to this day one of my most profitable investments. Really? Well, in terms of return. Yeah. So I didn't make the most from that, but yes. um, I got about a 400% return on okay. that steer that I bought. Uh-huh. And I will break that down. Uh, what is a steer? from the audience. What is a steer? Yes. Okay. Um, so a I steer. Can see is... you're, you're a city girl, city girl there, Claire. Yeah. So you've got a cow and a bull. A cow is female and a bull is male. Um, now, when the bull is castrated or desexed, it turns into a steer. Mm. And the reason they do that is often because the meat isn't as tough because there's not as much testosterone and mm. so it tends to be a bit more tender. So mm. um, a steer is generally what you're – when you go to the cattle yards, yeah. you'll buy steers mm. um, to fatten up and sell mm. as opposed to ca- uh, bulls, which are, mm. you know, probably more for a breeding. We apologise um, to vegetarians out there. I but know, yes, I yeah. know. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so it's a big difference. So, you know, there you go. And that's why, you know, a lot of farmers, you know, do you know, do well off, yes. off selling um, livestock because actually – um, a steer will grow about a kilo a day if it's fed well. Mm, goodness, yeah. So, you know, yeah. you can... I don't think I've ever talked to anyone whose first investment, <laughs> Hannah, the best investment they made was from a steer, yeah. but, like, there's one in every million. And, that's uh, it. So, yeah. yeah, so going to back to your question, yes. um, you know, alternative investments, that's mm. probably my most quirky. Yeah. So we, we did have someone, um, I think Mandy, um, Mandy said uh, that her... Best investment was uh, her puppy, which was emotional Aww. as well. Yeah, so that was a nice one. <laughs> but uh, but still, you got a good price at market for it. Yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah. yeah, no emotional attachment. Oh, there was a lot. Yeah, I named yeah. it Hank. Oh this goodness, is very oh that's that's a big mistake big to mistake. give an animal a name. Know, yeah, big but, mistake. Um, you know, I, of course, I loved it. I had a name for it, but. Also, growing up on the farm, it's it's part of it. You know, you see you see animals come and go, and it's sort of the circle of life as such, which is what was really that's very much when you raised yeah in the country. Yeah, yeah. so mm. um, yeah, 
I mean, we don't want to know about the process, but it's no, just, no, no, that no, was reality. no. But it was a sensible in, investment. Mm. So what what we're building up is a picture of somebody who understands. You understand what diversification is. Mm. That you know your equities. You've got um, super money in super. You've got a desire to have property one day, and potentially you're working towards that. And then you also understand this other alternative asset class called collectibles nicely called collectibles um there are other ones as we know like gold and you can throw in commodities and potentially your steer could go into that commodity class but why is it important um, to, to be diversified hannah from your experience well d- diversification i mean in its literal sense is you know is actually mitigating risk and dive and basically having you know lots of different um, investments that aren't necessarily correlated mm-hmm. um, and that is really important because if you do have investments that are correlated very strongly in other words they will move in the same direction mm-hmm. depending on external factors and market factors um, then there is a lot more risk that you that you are taking because if something you know if, if there's a pandemic like what we're going yes. through which affects the market um, and you're only either investing in one company, mm. and that company is likely of going to have gone down or now up because yes. you know mm. the markets have done some funny things recently. Mm. Um, then that's you know you've got all your eggs in one basket that's if you're right. not diversified. That's right. mm-hmm. And you know even if you are, I think that's another country expression. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. So um, you know if you do have multiple companies and multiple asset classes, even which is even better, like yeah. property and shares, for example. Um, you know, there's a lot of external factors that, that are, um, affect our investments. Mm-hmm. And so to mitigate as much risk as possible, you would try to choose different, for example, shares that may be in different industries. Mm-hmm. So you might be in a bank, mm-hmm. bank stock, but likely if you have multiple bank stocks, you know, if something affects a big bank, like the bank's like a Royal Commission, for mm. example, they're mm. all going to go down. That's right. And so that is really important to understand what companies you own and what assets you have. So even within one asset class of yeah. shares, yeah. you even spread yourself across you various sectors to mitigate your risk or spread spread your risk. Yeah. Mm. And there's a lot of tools that you can look mm. at online. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of brokers will offer a financial health check, for example, within your portfolio where it actually breaks down for you in a pie chart mm. the breakdown of your asset classes and mm. how heavily weighted you are in mm. each very important and that's yeah. and it's a good visual mm. because you know if you sort of look at your portfolio um you're not you're not getting a visual representation of mm. your weighting and i think that that's a really good tool that a lot of brokers will provide clients mm. now yeah. to make that side of things a lot easier yeah picture paints a thousand yeah. words no it's very important to see that and very important to spread your risk what lies ahead for Hannah Hooper? That's a really good question. Um, I mean, for me, I am I'm really enjoying um, where I am in terms of my career. Mm. So I've I've been working very hard, um, and you know I've got a wonderful partner. Um, I was lucky enough actually to buy a property a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So mm. I, I'm really enjoying you know being able mm. to sort of working from home a lot, of course, mm-hmm. during this pandemic. Mm enjoy the beautiful space we have at home mm. um kids down the track yep. down the track yes. mm-hmm. <laughs> um and as part of that something that I think about is is making sure that you know I'm in a good position should I want to have kids one day mm. um what will that look like in in terms of being able to raise them the way 
you know, that I, you know, I want and mm. being able to, I think what's really exciting actually is thinking about having children and then being able to um, talk to them about money mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it sounds a bit corny but, you know, I think not a lot, not enough people have a dinner table conversation about mm. these important things. Oh, it can be a ta- um, taboo subject. Money, yeah. you're totally right. Mm. And so to be able, I know that's Obviously something that you I... Obviously yeah, you, you had it, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I did to an extent yeah. and so I do want to impart that on my kids mm. and, and down the track mm. and um, that's really important. So, mm. yeah, so but definitely working hard. Um, I am a hard worker and I, I, I want to be able to... Um, learn as much as I can so I've been lucky enough to work at a great company like Comsec and now a fantastic company like mm. IG mm. and just absorbing all the information around mm. me so I work with some incredibly intelligent people um, my manager's fantastic I learn a lot of him mm. and so you know just trying to absorb mm. all this information and I'm lucky to be in this industry because mm. it is not only a career but it's also benefiting me financially and mm. teaching me a lot of good lessons mm. so you sound like you open yourself up to opportunity through your hard work, though, Hannah. Um, that's the future. Let's let me um, end this with one um, question. Go back. You've learned so much, you know, and um, so it's probably a question that you might have to think about for a minute. But what would you tell your twenty-one-year-old self if she'd listen? <laughs> that is a good question. Um, I would. I'd probably say. Pay yourself first, Um, meaning, you know, and I I talk about this from a perspective of, you know, you're you're 21, you're probably in your first full-time job. Um, And what tends to happen is you get so excited about being on a bit more money Mm. that you do spend a little bit more frivolously. Mm. Um, And to to actually now knowing the um, benefits of, you know, putting money away, compounding, mm. um, to pay yourself first every paycheck, mm. put some money away in savings and, and you know, and then the rest is there for you to be able to spend on what you I want. Mm. Um, I, d- I didn't do that enough mm. but, I, you know, I was also trying to, you know, I was travelling a little bit, I was trying mm. to enjoy life being so young mm. but, um, but I think that's probably a piece of advice I would give myself from mm. a younger age is... I yeah, know. I know. <laughs> my husband Peter um, calls it uh, GST, your life. Yeah. So just take ten percent out and yeah. snuggle that away somewhere yeah. for future yeah. um, growth and compounding. Yeah. Um, Hannah, it's been an absolute delight talking to you. Um, we'd love to have you back on Tilly Money again and tell us more of your story. And when we get to a stage where we are looking at areas of investment in particular, like with when you were talking about CFDs, because we'll be having modules on, on things like that, that it would be great um, to loop you into those conversations. Thanks again for being with us. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it. Terrific. Your host this week was Maureen Jordan. Thanks to Ixon for our intro music. And see you next time.